All right. Happy day after Christmas. For got a lot of folks who are still having Christmas hangover, food hangover, gift hangover, whatever hangover you might be dealing with. Uh, thanks for showing up today. Today we wanted to. We're just going to have a an abbreviated service. Um, Partially because we have a lot of people out. Uh, Pastor Guile is on break. and um, But I wanted to uh, just continue today in the same vein and theme that our beloved Anna Lucas uh, began last week, talking about love. And um, so this is kind of a, a, a pivotal time in the, the Christian church calendar, and so I'm hoping that uh, you all had a, a great, great uh, time. I, I've seen many of you in your pajamas, which I'm, you know, I've seen more pajama pictures than I, than I care to see, but it's lovely, lovely, lovely. Hope you all had a wonderful time. My favorite Christmas post uh, had to be this little guy who, um, it says, I ate the baby Jesus from our Christmas nativity scene, not looking forward to the second coming. <laughs> that was awesome. So I'm sure all of you have funny stories and, and uh, about your, your week. We do as well, but it's been good to be together as family. It's been good to be together as community on Christmas Eve and to celebrate the greatest reality of all is this prophetic fulfillment in Christmas that unto you this day a Savior has been born, right? Unto you, the scripture says. That means you, right? How many of, how many of you are happy about that? Unto you, a Savior has been born. A Savior has been born for you. This uh, celebration of Christmas is all about the reality of that. That God himself has become human. He's become one of us to relate to you, to restore you, to represent you on the cross, to do everything for you so that we could be free from the guilt of our sin, from the power of our sin, and we could be free to be who God intended us and created us to be. Does that make anybody happy? That's the greatest Christmas gift of all, right? Amen. And when we say Christmas, it it simply means that God has spoken into the world his last, his deepest, his most beautiful word, the incarnate word, And this word means this, I love you. That's what the word means. And this word means that, you know, we are celebrating historically in the church. We've celebrated the nativity up to now, right? And now in the church calendar, we celebrate what's called epiphany. Everybody say epiphany. 
right? The nativity celebrates the birth of Jesus, but now we're entering into a season called the Epiphany, which celebrates the revelation. Epiphany means the unveiling or the, the revealing. And so now that Jesus has come, what does this mean? Who is this Jesus? And so we celebrate his unveiling. We celebrate his coming. We celebrate the fact that the Magi came to see Jesus and to realize that this was the Son of God, the King of Kings. And then in Jesus' baptism, we, we see again the unveiling of who Jesus is. And, and may the Lord himself uh, reveal to you this year as, as you come to the end of one year and we transition into a new year. How many of you are ready to transition out of 2021? <laughs> Some of you. I, I feel like pandemic years are kind of like dog years, right? Like one pandemic year is like seven, you know, normal years. So we've had about 14 years and I'm ready for just a, a normal human year, aren't you? Um, but I encourage you, as you come to the end of this year, it's always a, a, a great time as things are still kind of slowed down a little bit this week to just spend time reflecting on. Go back and look through your calendar. Go back and look through your photos. Go back and look through your journal and just take time to reflect. God, what, what, were you, what have you done this year? You know, celebrate God being with you, Emmanuel. Celebrate the ways that God has met you. Celebrate the mysteries in which you, you've wondered, God, what are you doing? And, and you still may be in the middle of that mystery, but it's important to know where you are, right? It's important to know where you are in your journey, in your season of life. And it's important to know, God, what are you up to? And that only comes as we take time to notice and reflect and pause and, and pray and invite and, and discern, God, what do, you, what do you have for me in 2022? What is it that, that you're doing? And so out of all the things that we could look back on in this year, the good, the bad, the, the, you know, I mean, it's, we could name all of the crazy things, but what we come down to and are left with is this. The love of God is eternal and it is the greatest of all things that we could have encountered this year. And so when we, we've just come through Advent and we know that the, the work of Advent is the preparation of our hearts. It's a, it's a posture in which we say, Lord, help me to receive you. Help me to be open to you. Advent means the arrival of a notable event or person or thing, right? And so we celebrate the arrival of a notable person, Jesus Christ, a notable thing in the, his birth, the incarnation and the event. But here's what I love about Jesus. We're not just celebrating that he has come, but we're celebrating that he is coming, right? Right? And we're celebrating that he will come. Jesus just keeps on coming and coming and coming. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that he keeps coming? And this is part of the Christmas story, the advent of love, the coming of love. Love comes to us. Jesus Christ manifested love, which means 
that the power of God is wrapped up in his love. Everything that God does comes out of his heart of love for you and for me. Right? And so whenever we have a power deficit in our own lives or a power deficit in the church, it's usually because there's a love deficit. Amen? There's a love deficit. And so what we have to come back to again, this is a great time to come back to what's most important, to come back to, God, what is this all about, man? I mean, you know, my family, we went to Branson, we celebrated, I've had two or three Christmases, you know, presents galore, all the stuff, and, and yet we can forget and I have to come back to, Lord, what is, what is this all about? It's the advent of love. And the Christian faith is believing that at the center of the universe is a being who is overflowing with love for this world. He loves you. He loves me. This is what the scriptures tell us. I love this translation of John 3.16. It says, for here is the way God loved the world. He gave his only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will not perish, but experience everlasting life, friends. This is the gift of heaven, the gift of Christmas. First John, again, John tries to, to reveal and help us to see what it means that Jesus is here. And it's simply this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That we might live through him. And so, this is the gospel. Not only is that the heart of God, but, but at the heart of every human is this deep desire to love and to be loved. Amen? It's our greatest desire. It's our greatest need. It's our greatest want. It's our greatest hope. Which means that the purpose of human existence is to receive this love and then to give that love back out into the world, creating this ecosystem of others-focused, self-giving love. This, my friends, is what cruciform love is. It's cross-shaped love. Love that is unconditional. Love that is stronger than death. This is the gospel, my friends. And so we look to the teachings of Jesus. And we look at the story of his life to help us define and redefine the very concept of what is love. What is it really? What is it all about? Jesus said the fulfillment of the law and the prophets was to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. So this is what Jesus came to do. He came to reveal how do we live this out. This, what Dallas Willard calls the divine conspiracy to show us the upside down kingdom of God is based upon not power, but upon love. And when we see Jesus' life on display, we see that, that love is not just a, a, a mushy feeling, but it's actively seeking the well-being of someone other than yourself without expecting anything in return. Especially those in difficult situations. And then 
Jesus not only shows us this, teaches us, he takes it even further and, and says to us that authentic, genuine love is how well you treat the person you can't stand. Those that feel like enemies to me. To love your enemy, doing good, expecting nothing in return. Which is a good reminder, having just spent time with family members who may have become enemies over the last few days, right? Or maybe you got reminded, oh yeah, I can't stand that person. Or frenemies, right? What a phrase. But here's the reality, friends. We, we wouldn't still be talking about Jesus today if he had only told us to love our enemies, would we? He actually did it. He actually lived it. He lived love, and this is actually how he died, isn't it? Romans 5.8 says, But God proves his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His love, friends, is what matters. His love keeps coming. This is what the world needs now, right? <laughs> the old song is love, man, sweet love. We need the love of God flowing in our hearts. We need the love of God in our marriages. We need the love of God in our homes. We need the love of God in our communities, in our society. The demonstration of the gospel of Jesus Christ to show the world that there is a different way and he has put you on this planet for that purpose. To receive the love of God in your own soul and in your own life. To, trend, to be transformed by the love of God uh, so that you can go out and transform the world. Because transformed people transform people, right? That's what it comes down to. And so when the love of God comes and is manifested in our midst as it was with Jesus, three important things happen. And this is what happens really quickly. I'm going to go through this, and then we're going to wrap up and beat the badness, and you can go eat lunch or leftovers or do whatever you want to do. But the first thing that love does when it comes, what happens, something miraculous happens. Love reveals what's really real. That, that may sound really simple, and you may be like, duh, but, but here's the problem with reality is that every one of you in this room have a different reality. And you operate and you live out of that reality, right? The world has a reality. You and I all have this reality. And, and love reveals what's really real. God's love allows us to experience life and to see reality as it was intended by God to be experienced. See, I don't know if you realize this, but life has a certain opaqueness to it, doesn't it? It's hard to see through what, why, you know, what's happening sometimes or why people are doing what they're doing. Life is full of illusion. It's full of deception, especially by our enemy, Satan himself, who wants to keep us from seeing what's really real. And when I live from the heart, I receive God's love. And I give that love away regardless of whether someone is worthy of that love. And when I do that, something miraculous happens. 
Love reveals the true nature of things. As Henry Nouwen says, it unmasks the illusion of control. Hello. Or the possession, the possessiveness of our possessions. The pretense of our false self. And and we sang it on, on Christmas Eve in the song Silent Night. That... We we sing it every year. Son of God loves pure light. What does light do? Light comes to reveal. And love is the purest of light. And in that light, I can see God. And in that light, I can see myself and I can see others for who they really are. Now, the best description I can think of how this happens, um, the best analogy comes out of a, a nursery rhyme, a nursery uh, story conversation between a rabbit called the Velveteen Rabbit and a skin horse. How many of you remember the Velveteen Rabbit? So the Velveteen Rabbit is a, is a little nursery toy, and he desperately wants to be real, and he's being mentored by this old skin rocking horse. And this is the conversation they have, because the Velveteen Rabbit wants to know what's what's real or not? Is he real? Right? And so the skin horse says, real? Well, it isn't how you're made. It's a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but he really loves you, then you become real. Does it hurt? Asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful, But when you're real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up or or, or bit by bit, he asked. And the skin horse said, well, it doesn't happen all at once. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily or have sharp edges or who have to be carefully kept. He says, generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you're real, you can't be ugly except to those who don't understand. Isn't that a great description of the power of love to make what's really real come Alive, We get to see reality as it really is. Love reveals what's real and what's really important. The scripture says it this way. Paul said, the greatest thing in life is love. Love is greater than everything. Another way to think about this is, what is hell really like? I love Dostoevsky's uh, quote out of his book, Brothers Karamats. He says, what is hell? I maintain that it is the suffering of being unable to. To love. That's what hell is, friends. The inability to receive love and to give love. And this is why Jesus came. To destroy every barrier. To destroy the guilt, the shame, the pride, the fear. So that we could be loved. And that we could love. Second, the the thing... The second thing that happens when love comes is love reveals who we really are, right? So the first 
is, reveals reality. Second is it reveals identity. 1 John 3.1 says, says it, whoops, back, back. Go back, I tell you. Did I do it? Oh, there. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God, and so we are. We are. (laughs) Why are we the children of God? Because you earned it? No. Because God's love as a Father given to us makes us who we are. It shapes you. It forms you. Right? This is who we are. In order for our knowing of God's love to be truly transformational, it has to become the basis of your identity. Let me ask you an important question this morning. Is the love of God the basis of your identity or not? Is the love of God the basis for your true identity, who you really are as a child of God? And in order for our knowing of God's love to be that transformational, our our identity, who we experience ourselves to be, the true self that you were were made with, that's carried within you, God's eternal idea of you before you were ever formed or shaped or, or in your mother's womb, that's your true self. So an identity that is grounded in God would mean that when we think of who we are, the first thing that comes to our mind is that I'm someone who is deeply loved by God. Is that what comes to your mind when you think of who you are? Amen. Good. This is the spiritual journey, friends. This is the spiritual work. This is spiritual warfare, I tell you. Someone said it this way, true success is that I'm loved and therefore I'm a lover. That's it. When people ask you, what, what do you do? I'm a lover. Ah, awesome. Because <laughs> the, the, the truth is, friend, you will either be formed by love or deformed by a lack of love, Right? One of my sons, I think it might have been Joel, I can't remember now who, who, who said it, but used to say, Dad, I love you and I recognize you. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of a funny, it's like, well, where, where did you get that from? You know, I have no idea. But we used to, we kind of latched onto it because it's kind of true, right? When we're loved, we become recognizable to others, to ourselves. And to God. I love you, God says, and I recognize you. And we say to God, God, I love you. I love you, Papa. And I recognize you. I know who you are. And you know who I am. And when we know what's real and we know who we really are, we become fully alive and we become awake 
We become alive. A fully alive person is a person who is possessed by this love and it's possessed them to the point where it affects everything. It affects the way you speak and the way you live and, and how you love people, how you love the least, the lost, the, the poor, the hurting, the broken, how you love your enemies, everything. Which is why the third thing that happens with the advent of God's love in the world is this, that God's love reveals hope. It reveals hope, this expectancy. We talked a lot about hope this year because we need hope. If there's anything that I've learned, it gives us hope to see the transformation of the world. How many of you know we need it desperately in our world? And if I've learned anything in my years of ministry, it's this, that where there's love, there is always hope. There's always hope. So whenever you have no hope, right? Receiving and giving love gives us hope. Because the scripture tells us that love always hopes. Come on, somebody. Love always hopes. So if your marriage seems hopeless, friends, maybe, maybe you just love, choose love, choose love over and over and over again. Maybe if your relationships seem hopeless, if your world seems hopeless, choose love. What would love do? Receive the love of God, then give it back out as best you can in, in your own unique way and expression Because God, in his wisdom, has decided he will not run over this world. He will not force his will to be done. But what he wants will be won by love, friends. What he wants will be won by love. I promise you that. He conquers, he liberates, he redeems through love. And the collective trauma of humanity, friends, is this, that our brokenness and sin has alienated us from God. It's alienated us from ourselves. It's alienated us from one another. And it's alienated us from God's creation. This existential ache of separation or disintegration, this disconnection, would you agree, is the source of all our woundedness and pain, right? And it's also the, the source of so many of our attempts, some of them noble efforts like religion and psychology and technology. Some of them not so noble, our destructive attempts to, to you know, find intimacy and connection and integration. But here's the truth, friends. <laughs> we can't fix ourselves, right? Can't do it. Which is why the love of God is our only hope. So I want to just say to you, I've said it before, but the path to transformation is when life's great suffering encounters God's great love. When life's great suffering encounters God's great love. Because if you haven't lived long enough to experience some suffering, just hang on. All right? But suffering does a work, doesn't it? What does it do? It empties my soul. It makes room. 
for something. It just makes room, man. And what it's intended to do is make room for God, to make room for His love. Because only perfect love can perfect. Only perfect love can cast out fear, which is why I love this, this verse in, um, well, that's not that verse. That's why I love this verse in Colossians 3.14. Paul has listed a, a whole list of virtues, and he says this, but above everything else, above all these virtues, friends, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You see, love has this binding quality to it, this binding property and power. And it, it takes what's all the broken pieces and it pulls them together so that I'm no longer alienated from God, myself, one another, and the world. But God's love binds us together in unity. So let me close today by just reading this passage out of 1 Corinthians 13, out of the Passion Translation, and, and let this be our exhortation. Only love can do this. So Paul writes, and he says, love never stops loving. Never stop loving, friends. Never stop loving. No matter what it looks like, no matter how painful, no matter how hard, sometimes it looks like forgiveness, sometimes it looks like, like um, you know, just going the extra mile, sometimes it looks like turning the other cheek, sometimes it, 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 it's as simple as just a word or an embrace, but never stop loving because love extends beyond all other virtues And Paul says here, all other gifts. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It's more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and prophecies are but partial, but when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. When I was a kid, a child, I spoke as a child. I spoke about childish matters, for I saw things like a child and reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish ways. He goes on to say in verse 12, For now we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries as though reflected in a mirror. But one day we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete. But one day I will understand everything just as everything about me has been fully understood. Until then, there remains faith, hope, and love. We all know this scripture so well, but yet do we live it well. And yet love surpasses them all, friends. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. Whatever your plans and your goals and your dreams for 2022 let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. Because love reveals our reality. It reveals our identity, our true reality, our true identity. And love creates an expectancy in our hearts. Which is why Jesus said to us, As the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. And now I want you to abide in my love. 
abide in this powerful, transformational love of God. Say, well, how do I abide? Well, we abide in His words. We abide in prayer. Prayer is the place where I can open my heart to the love of God and receive the love of God so that I can go back out into the world and give the love of God away. So maybe this week, as you begin a new year, it's time to reset the rhythms of your life, the spiritual rhythms of your life, so that you can receive more of the love of God. That you can become aware and contemplate and pray and meditate on just how deeply loved you really are. And, and, and just how many amazing, creative, wonderful ways God wants you to express that love in the world. Amen? So let's stand. Did it. Got you out 15 minutes early. Woo! Beautiful. I want you to, just to close your eyes for a moment. I want you just to, as a posture of receptivity this morning, if you can, just open your hands before the Lord in this space this, this morning. One of the ways that we receive God's love is to actually receive Jesus. Maybe you've never received Jesus Christ. You've never really accepted him as your Savior this morning. And what a beautiful day and moment. And maybe you're just feeling a, an invitation to center your life upon something other than yourself or others around you and to say, Jesus, I need you and I want to receive the gift, the free gift of your son, Jesus, into my life and into my heart. It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And this morning, maybe you're here and you just need to repent and come back to God. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe you're a prodigal son and the Lord would just say to you, man, come home. I'm waiting. He's running towards you with his prodigal love, his extravagant love. He wants to lavish upon you. I don't, what part of your heart has run away from God or been closed off to the Lord? I don't know. But if there's a part of your heart that's been closed, been hurt, been burned, this is the moment that the love of God, the real love of God can come and remind you once again that it's okay. That perfect, my love is perfect for you. That my love is unchanging. And that I love you with all of my heart. That's what the Lord wants to say to you. He won't love you any better when you become better, friend. He loves you with all of his heart right now because he loves. Just because he loves, because that's who he is. He loves all the way, all the time. His love is unchanging. But what must change, friends, is your ability to receive that love. Your capacity to receive that love. And so what the Lord wants to do is just impart more of that ability to love. Because you can't give what you haven't learned how to receive. And 
I will truly be able to love the world when I fully believe that I am loved far beyond its boundaries. So this morning, as we stand here, the Father's invitation to you is simply this. Open your heart to me. Open your heart to me. Open more of your heart to me. Receive more of my love than you've ever experienced before. Paul says the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Maybe today you just need a fresh baptism of His Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Baptize us and saturate us with your love once again. We open our hearts to you and we say yes, Lord. We say yes to more of you. The Holy Spirit wants to teach you how to love by giving you more of himself. So, Father, thank you that your love comes to us again and again and again. And this morning, here it is. In this moment, all we have is a moment, friends. Every day is the moment in which we, we open our hearts and say yes to God. So his love, once again, comes to you this morning to set you free from yourself, to set you free from how you see yourself, to set you free from the smallness of your own thinking this morning, to set you free from rejection, from shame, from low self-esteem, from your obsessions and compulsions. Because when he looks at you, when he looks at you, friends, he sees something he loves. So, beloved, be loved this morning. Be loved. Be loved. Lord, we ask for for wider hearts, larger hearts, more daring spirits, more generous intentions, Lord, more inclusive communities. I pray uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.5 over you. May the Lord move your heart into a greater understanding of God's pure love and into Christ's steadfast endurance. Love is an endurance race, friends. And the only way I can endure the the race of life is to receive again and again how much God loves me and to go and demonstrate it to a world that is desperate to know that it is loved beyond its performance, beyond what it can do. May you be free to love this morning. Loving Father, beloved Son and Spirit of love, take all of me. I am yours. I'm yours. (laughs) Thank you, Father. May you be able to trust that this place, this is bed, the bedrock of your faith. This is the place that is solid, the place where you can say yes to God's love even when you don't feel it, friends. So keep saying,
God's love me, God, God loves me, and God's love is enough. Amen? Let's say it together. God loves me, and God's love is enough. Right? Choose that place. Let's live in that space this next year, yeah? Because when you know yourself as fully loved, you will be able to give, not according to someone else's capacity to receive that love, but just according to the love that's in your heart. You don't have to be needy, clingy. You can be free to give love and free to receive the love of God. Free to love. Amen? Be free this week. Be free. I I pray you have a reflective week as you move into a new year and a new season. God bless you. Have an awesome day.